Good afternoon, everyone. What a blessing it is to be here with my dear friends on Office Hours. And we're in the hundreds of episodes and thousands of guests. And they keep getting better and better with my dear friend, Blaine Bartlett, one of the world's greatest consultants, coaches, and friends in the world, BlaineBartlett.com. Thanks for joining me. You got a little different background and a different suit coat today. What's going on? Yeah, well, I'm in uh, Austin. I just uh, finished uh, a keynote here uh, for a family office group. Okay. Uh, Give us yeah. a little bit before we get to our friend. <clears throat> uh, what were you talking about today? This was about the nature of basically relationship. Uh, yeah, from a from a from a being perspective, you know the, the whole the, the notion that the conversation is the relationship. We don't have conversations about relationships. The conversation is the relationship. So the qualitative nature of the conversation. How do you begin to frame that? And and what's the role of listening? Yeah, when we start to actually unbundle and unpack what communication actually is. I love it. I know your mentorship and guidance in that area has not only made me a better leader and unlock great potential as a leader, uh, but more importantly, even as you know, uh, made me a better husband. Uh, that whole listening thing seems to work. <laughs> yeah, Ju Ju Julie is very appreciative. <laughs> yeah, she sure is. Uh, well, we are blessed as well. Not only do we have Blaine Bartlett here, but Hortense Le Gentil, excuse my uh, accent, is here. Also an executive leadership coach. Uh, and the author of The Unlocked Leader. Welcome to Office Hours, my friend Hortons. Thank you for having me, David. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Well, we are delighted to have you as a world-renowned executive coach, speaker, and author. Uh, we're blessed to have great minds in Office Hours from the very inception of what we do. Um, you know, I talk about a lot to unlearn and in the mentorship that I've received over the years and now that I'm blessed to be able to share, unlearning things uh, are very important today as a leader. But moreover, there's so much when we unlearn things that we unlock. Um, and to dare to do so is to dare to shine and liberate ourselves, our essence, our authenticity with far less interference or fear. How can a leader in today's hypersensitive, uh, bureaucratic, political, uh, leadership, especially in the corporate world space, uh, dare to be free with their voice? And how do we unlock uh, that essence as a leader? So, a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. you're, only allowed one, you're only allowed one answer. That's my secret. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, where to begin? Um so yeah, I just you know, I agree with you. Unlearn. So the first thing is unlearn. But I will say that the first thing is you need courage. So what you don't understand is you need courage. In fact, um, and this is really what leadership is about: having the courage to um, unlearn and to change and to unlock yourself and to to change your mindset. And how you do that? So I think that a lot of um, have been said about why we should lead with empathy, vulnerability. So I think that we got that. But when it comes to how do we do that, that's a hard part. 
And that's the part that we need to do in order to shine our, our light in the world and in order to be this human leader and be a lock leader. And then what I suggest in the book, and this is why I wrote the book, is this process of unlocking yourself. You begin... At, with a, at the beginning, you, you begin by, you know, finding your mind traps. Be aware of your mind traps. And what is a mind trap? A mind trap is this mental obstacle that stands between you today and you tomorrow and holds you back. There are all those voices in your in our brain who say, no, 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 you should not do that. You are used to do it that way. You don't, don't do that way. Don't try that way. You're going to fail. You know, all those voices. And then you, you have to be aware of it because this is this feeling. And we know when we are locked, right? I'm sure you experience already that, right? Yeah. All of us, and could be small, small, small lock, but could be, you know, something, you know, more, uh, but strongest. And I experienced myself, you know, years ago, I was completely lost and completely locked in my personal life and my professional life, and both of them. And then I didn't know what to do. And then what happened was I, of course, everything went fast and I, I got sick in bed and stuck in bed for months. Then I had, you know, sometimes to, to figure out that to think. And then I share the story with you because this is all we are talking about. My grandma, I had a dream at that moment. So my grandmother that I just loved and she was really a wise, wise woman. Uh, you would love her. And uh, she came back to my dream, to my dream, and she and she told me, Hortense, you need to find the path of roses." I said, "What is she talking about?" <laughs> and then you know, I, I, I said, "Yes, okay. So wh where is it? So tell me." And uh, she she just smiled at me and she told me you know where it is and I woke up can you imagine I was furious she didn't give me the answer and that would be you know later then I will understand that what she meant was very important what she meant was that I have to listen to my inner voice to my voice and then and then I began to free myself so by challenging the voices, so my personal life, can I divorce? You know, everyone around me told me, no, you cannot. Yes, I can. This is difficult, but yes, I can. Okay, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. You cannot be an entrepreneur at the age of 40. That's not possible. You cannot change that. Oh, look at me. Yes, I can do it. So I did it. And then this is how... You know, you change your mindset, and this is how you free yourself. And this is this, you know, this this process of unlocking yourself that you know that I'm talking about. So you you have your mind trap. So you are trapped. You are lost. You are somewhere. So you track the source. Who said that? Who said that you you know you cannot be a CEO? Or who say whatever you know where where you are trapped? Who said that? And then you begin the process of unlocking. By challenging, you know, those voices, those beliefs, by three questions. Is it true? Is it true, for example, that you cannot be a CEO? Is it relevant? Is it helpful? 
if the answer is no. So let go. Who said that? You know, you know, so I have I have a client, I'm going to share another story very fast, but a client of mine, he was considered for to be the next CEO of his company. He was very smart. Okay, so he had, you know, to uh, be in front of a panel of, uh, of uh, other leaders, you know, to do to go to the process, right? And then, out of the blue, he changed his behavior. He was talking all the time, didn't listen. So, of course, he didn't get the job. And he came to me and said, Hortense, I don't know what happened. And I said, okay, so let's figure out. So we revisit uh, his life and he understood, he remembered that at that, you know, a long time ago, he was at school, he had to, um, to, to take a class, to, to take an exam. Uh, and w- one of the teacher didn't let him talk. Then he was shocked because he couldn't express himself. And so he created a trauma. And the, the same teacher great teacher, uh, told him, I don't know, young, young guy, I don't know what you're going to do in, in life, but I can promise you something. You will never be a CEO because we can, we can see all your emotion uh, on your face. Then this, you know, young guy, <clears throat> clever and smart, you know, it stays somewhere in his brain and his cells. It became, you know, the, the voice uh, of his um, teacher became a commandment and without knowing you know he had this trauma and these voices and he was living with that until the time he had to face you know the event yes i can be a ceo and no so he was not aware of it and so uh, his unconscious talked and that's why he talked 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 because he didn't want anybody to interrupt him and then you know, then challenging that, you know, okay, and understanding that it's not his voice, he let go, and he began, you know, to write his own story, and he is an amazing CEO today, I cannot tell you who it is, but he is an amazing, you know, CEO, and this is how you free yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're, as you're describing that, it strikes me that uh, an old mentor of mine, a fellow by the name of uh, Will Schutz, Dr. Will Schutz, Um, mentioned at one point in time that as far as he could tell, people connect with each other through vulnerability, through the process of being vulnerable. And I went on to amend that, you know, from a leadership perspective to say, and people also disconnect through certainty, you know, by positioning a facade that becomes impossible for people to break through so that there's really no place to connect. And leadership, as far as I can tell in the work I've done the last 45 years, it's all about relationship, relationship quality, and access is important. The conversation is the relationship, as we were mentioning right at the top of the show here. So in the work that you do, Hartans, yeah, the it, it's easy to talk about you need to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, quote, unquote, need to be. But vulnerability is, is actually kind of the, the silver bullet here, if you will, to uh, the next level of effectiveness. How do you actually work with your clients to have them begin to at least think about the possibility of being vulnerable in the role where they are expected to have all of the answers? Because, you know, 
leaders today they know that they have to change so i think there is no discussion about that but they, uh, again they don't know how to do it and so what i'm talking about this unlocking things is the first things to do if you want to connect with people is to connect correctly with yourself mm-hmm. then you because you know this is this hero leader human leader so okay so learn how to let go because when you begin you 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 are a leader you change you are not a doer anymore this is not what we are waiting for you and you know the expectation has changed you know the, the world changed people as you say Blaine and David they want to connect with you and how how do you connect with people is it it sounds stupid because this is so simple but <laughs> but but it's true but but we don't we don't we are not used to do it because we are afraid to do it uh, at at work so so the work that i do with them is really that is really okay be, they are courageous they are courageous because okay let's go let's do it and then by unlocking themselves you know the process i was talking about so why why are you afraid of why why don't you want can't you do it you it's all about empathy so you increase your empathy you open your empathy because you connect with this other, other how do we connect with um, each other it's through empathy it's through this you know mirror neurons uh, called gandhi neurons mm-hmm. you know this gandhi is my, neurons, fa- yeah. my favorite <laughs> ones I, i just love them and then this is how you connect <laughs> This is how you connect with people, but let them talk and 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 listen to them, and then so you go to this process of unlocking yourself, in order to be able to connect because empathy begins with yourself. So connect with yourself with your inner voice, then empathy begins, and then then when you unlock after you can. Okay, write your own story. So, what is important for you? What drives you? How do you want to show up as a leader? And then you practice, and and then you say, okay, what difference I want to make in the world and in my you know in my environment, in my company, with with my um, stakeholders. What what do I want, and what is my why? And then you walk on it every day. I made them walk. On the daily, so they have so everyone, me too. We, are, I, I recommend always to have a, a daily rendezvous with yourself because we have plenty of rendezvous a day. But you know how you know how long do you meet with yourself? So mm-hmm. are you still on track? Because you know you know when you, it's it's like a puzzle. In fact, when you 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 change, when you unlearn. You relearn, so now let's relearn. But this is very exciting because now you are the author of your life. You can write what you want. What is important for you, you know, you know, and then you walk there, and then this is exciting, and then you exercise. And Blaine, it reminds me of one of your favorite questions on those personal rendezvous, which is for the sake of what? And we uh talk about right for the sake of what am I doing this and that rendezvous internal uh meditation and introspective leadership is uh one that's guided by over 30 years of experience uh that Hortense has she is also with me as a Marshall Goldsmith uh 100 coaches and a global guru uh known throughout the world uh dare to free your own voice lead with empathy change the world unlock 
leader. It's a must read for every leader, intentional reader and leader out there. Uh, Hortense, please, please come back. Uh, Blaine and I both have more shows for yep. you. Uh, and I love your perspective and I can't wait to finish the book. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. See, uh, not only a great coach, but I could listen to her. I, I was sitting there trying to keep my eye on the clock and I'm like, I could listen to her all day. And yeah, I, I could too. Like, oh shit, uh -oh. we got six minutes over. Dana Robinson's here and he, I, I guarantee, will not sound as fluent and elegant. <laughs> Uh, as, uh, he's gonna fit in with you and I, Blaine. Uh, I guarantee it. So we we go, but he is a San Diegan like myself. He's a lawyer, a recovering lawyer. I don't know which one, like myself, and author, like yourself, author, exactly, like myself. Uh, and uh, he is uh, gonna uh, be on with us. Uh, but uh, from that perspective, as a recovering lawyer, uh, Dana. Uh, you know, there's so many things that we can do with our law degrees. And I teach uh, orientation at Tulane Law School, utilizing your law degree in a non-traditional manner. Mm. And a lot of us are forced into law school by the arrogance, ignorance of our parents to be doctors, lawyers, and failures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what initiated your entrepreneurial venture, uh, but yet still falling in line with probably expectations of some family members, I'm sure, to become a lawyer. Well, to be honest, I, I was I was raised by a phone man and a and a housewife. I I, uh, I I didn't know what a lawyer was when I was growing up, and and my parents didn't expect me to to go to college. I was a C student. Um, they run the world, by the way. The C yeah. students, <laughs> yes, they the, A and B, the A and B students, they teach the world. I got a bunch of siblings like that. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually uh, uh, started a business when I was in college. I, I started a landscape business because I was working at a mall job and thought uh, the people were petty and catty. And I thought I mowed lawns as a kid. I could do that again. So I started a business in, in law school. I ended up uh, hiring some guys. I bought another guy's business. I was 20 years old, didn't know what I was doing, but I, I could figure out how to mow lawns and ended up with a, a kind of flourishing commercial landscape business with City of Orange and uh, churches, campuses, uh, you know, something that I wasn't entitled to is it, it was a happy accident and taught, uh, taught myself business, I guess. So, uh, I finished my bachelor's, sold the business, opened a coffee house thinking, uh, that would be a clean, uh, business. And, and it turned out to be a catastrophe, uh, and finished my master's, uh, worked in ministry for a couple of years. And, and when I was I realized I, I couldn't spend my life in, in, uh, sort of the, service of the of the church and uh and wanted a secular degree but i, I i'd been an entrepreneur I, I just didn't think i i could do it without some secular degree as a safety net so i went to law school thinking that's the closest thing to a business uh oriented education i could get and uh and, but I've been trying to get back out of the practice ever since. I got I got licensed in '99 and immediately <laughs> was back in business with a, with one of my clients and and have have uh, really didn't burn the boats until about four or five years ago. Uh, but I've been involved mm -hmm. with uh, 25 business ventures in 25 years and had some some hits, <clears throat> some base hits, some failures, of course. Uh, grew grew a company, sold it to private equity. Um, I've spent the last four years in private equity roll-ups. Uh, I did a HVAC and plumbing roll-up with a, a group and then uh, 
I'm managing my own fund with some partners now and we own landscape businesses. So it's uh, oddly yeah, full circle, full circle. Uh, we, you know, I'm sit, sitting across the table from landscape business owners asking them to sell our fund, their, uh, their company. So the, uh, know, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, I just yeah, say yeah, it, not, yeah. not the typical expectations of family for me. They were all pleasantly no. surprised. Yeah, I well, college at all. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a masochist. I get it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, go yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, what do you got for us? Well, it just yeah, you know, the, the 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 focus is on blue collar businesses. If I if I've got that right, so there's there's a very interesting uh, dichotomy. If if I could, um, people yeah you know, in blue collar businesses typically it's hourly employees. Yeah, yeah. So that whole wage conversation gets to be interesting. It's, it's contrasted to salaried employees in more of a white collar you know, business structure. What's the biggest challenge that you find in ramping up a blue collar business with, a, you know, kind of with an eye towards, okay, we've got hourly employees here that are looking oftentimes at two jobs. You know, they're looking to, you know, for ways to support their families. And oftentimes, you know, the end of the month comes and I'm short uh, a little bit on the, you know, yeah, when that yeah. when that happens. So that's got to be, uh, I would assume, a different challenge um conversationally as well as operationally from funding say a, a you know, kind of a service organization for white you know, more of a white collar quote unquote uh orientation to it yeah it's, it's an interesting observation the the blue collar businesses tend to be run by technicians so you you've got mm-hmm. a, the two problems that we solve as kind of professionalizers of, of blue collar businesses one of them is the the owner it's not a trained entrepreneur. He, he's someone, he or she is someone who learned the trade. We're really good at it, probably good at sales and, and uh, ended up building a business with some other people. And they're not not really trained at anything. And until they go to best practice groups and kind of learn the business, they're they're kind of all making the same mistakes. And then you're right. The yeah. employees are are can be an impediment because like like me, I grew up with not much in the way of resources, loved my my home life. But we, we if we didn't have money we didn't have so uh yeah. the, the employees tend to have an, a sort of mental obstacle in their ability to understand the clients they serve so mm-hmm. when you take over a business they have a really hard time selling for a premium for example because they they want to do everybody a favor how do we get this person the best deal how do we help them yeah. out and so a lot of getting them what they need which is a better life is teaching them that their customers want to spend money on themselves, right? So if you sell an air conditioning unit, you need to give the customer some options. You need to give them a premium option. I don't know, you, you can't believe this, but somebody would like to buy the best that they can. And if you help them buy that, you're gonna get a big commission. You're gonna, you're gonna be compensated at, in an outsized way for being patient with them and, and being good at communication, having great soft skills. So the, the ability to, to level up blue collar employees uh, is really to create the right incentives and the training that enable them to to embrace a new mindset about what they're doing as not just trying to fix something with a Band-Aid, not just trying to get by, but that they, they, they're professionals. And that when they walk in, they should act like it and they should uh, understand that their customers will respond uh, you know, positively to that with more sales. And, and uh, the customer isn't being ripped off. They deserve to have choices and, you know, to, to buy the best if they want it. You know, Dana, I, I do a yeah. lot of investment now here later in my career. And uh, 
also I'm blessed to probably interview more people than anyone on earth, I think, lately. About <laughs> 12 people a day. I'm either interviewed or being interviewed. Uh, but I'm, you know, blessed to be around people like Blaine and others, the billionaires, the millionaires, the entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers. And I'm always looking for a common thread. Um, and looking at both of you, you have this common thread, but I'm wondering how important it is as you're out there in uh, the equity world uh, with your legal background, how just plain important is it to have a desire that you must be what you can on the IP, beyond the business models, beyond the revenue and the expectations, you know, how much of your assessment is, hey, this person, this entrepreneur, this owner, he has a desire that he must be what he can be and he'll figure this out and I'm going to invest in him because I know the business and him will make a lot of money and help a lot of people one day. Yeah. The, the, so the, it's a great, it's a great question. I think it depends on where you are in private equity. We are triangulating new leadership, which in our case doesn't mean they're young, right? Our, our operator, for example, the CEO of the landscape business grew a landscape business and sold it to a public company, worked for them and then retired and got bored. And so we said, <laughs> you want to charge ahead knowing what you know with some more capital and structure? And he said, heck yeah. Um, so, but, but the real, you know, so finding talent like that is really hard. And when you do, you've got lightning in a bottle, but then finding the targets where, you know, the, someone has really done good and you want their legacy to, to honor, to be honored. And some, we just had lunch yesterday with someone who's been 40 years at a business to, to grow it to a, a business that's doing fantastic for him. And these businesses are sometimes 10, 12, $15 million a year businesses at the top. And what someone can make on a well-run business of that size is pretty meaningful. So they have a lot of choice to who, who are they going to give this business to? And, and they need a partner, right? They, they want to hand it to someone who honors their legacy, but then what are they going to do? I mean, this is, this is a question I've had five times this month. I mean, this is, we're not even through the month. Well, what am I going to do after? Yeah, they, they haven't thought about it, and and so you have an opportunity to actually say, "What do you want to do?" One owner said, "Well, I really just want to go surfing. You know, I'm 65. <laughs> I'd like to get, I'd like to make up for all the surfing I didn't get to do. You know, we're in San Diego, so that you know it's implied yeah. that retirement yeah. includes either surfing or golfing, right? Yeah, you go down to um, Seal Beach and have a have a good time. Yeah, <laughs> okay. the uh, but but you know some of them say, "Can you help me do something?" You know how well, look we. We've got a guy who sold his business, worked for a big company, and and we're loving working with him, and we're learning from him. He's learning from us. We, we're building a team. So looking for good people. All, all businesses come down to good people. Like you, yeah. you uh, an acquisition in most private equity. I know it's not the at the very top. Maybe it's not this way. Everywhere that's not a billion dollar business, the people matter. You want to keep everybody that you can. You do a lot of shuffling, right? Butts, right seats is a big mantra when you're when you're integrating a business. But you know, you want you you want to honor the owner and and the team they've built, and you want to find a way to give all those people more upside and more longevity and and uh, doing what they're great at. Well, Danny, you can swing by our beach home there in South Mission Beach any day of the week. Grew up in San Diego with my wife at Patrick Henry High. 
from Weinberger Elementary uh, on. So we'd love to have you over for surfing or golfing uh, <laughs> right there from Torrey Pines down to South Mission. There's plenty of good golf and surf. Uh, an author, an investor, a lawyer, but we won't hold that against him. Recovering. DanaRobinson.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on our other shows. Thanks for having me. Great work. We'll see you down in San Diego. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, guys. All righty. All right. He is here waiting in the wings. Eric Weir. Hello. Hello. Weir. Hello. How are you? Good to be here. (laughs) Oh, Eric, you know, we have a lot of authors, speakers, uh, world (laughs) thought leaders on here. Uh, But I love the title of your book. And it's uh, no accident, of course, because uh, it's aligned uh, with my latest epiphany of how to describe something I believed in for years. And it's who's eating your pie is the name uh, (laughs) of the book. Um, Just fantastic. Which competes with your podcast name as well, which is stuttering away to success. Um, But in the context of who's eating your pie, obviously intertwined in there at some level is scarcity. Uh, And in scarcity itself, I've, Work for so many years because I lived for so many years in scarcity. Even when I had over a hundred million dollars, I was living in scarcity with a lot of money. And I know in your business, you meet people like that every day that are in scarcity in a zero sum game. And I'm going to leave you real quick with my greatest epiphany of articulation, not of ideas. And I would love for you to help me understand what I'm trying to say in a better way. Um, everyone believes the more you give, you you receive. And I used to talk for hours with Blaine and Bob Pachter about the trade negotiation and getting that most people perceive or conceive. And I knew that, that it was true. The more you give, the more you receive. But recently I realized that we've left out what I think you talk about in your book as well. And it's the more you give, the more you're given. And most people have difficulty receiving. And so although they're given more, they feel uncomfortable, guilty, resentful, offended for receiving. So they receive less of more. And so as they keep giving, they end up having less and less and less, which ends up in a zero sum game. And we end up with zero. How important is it in who's eating your pie to have an abundant attitude that says, the more I give, the more I've given, which means the more I can and should receive so I can give even more and ask for even more and give even more and be given even more and so on that a value add world lives in the book of who's eating your pie. When most people look at a scarce perspective of a zero sum game, that if somebody eats my pie, there's not going to be any pie left for me. Right. Right. We're in the pie manufacturing business. So, so, so yeah, it's, it's everything from being grateful, from gratitude to giving love, giving respect, giving honor, giving up yourself before you make a request. All that is just pivotal. And uh, you know, probably the wealthiest person I know, he's, I know personally, started about 15 years ago, giving away half of his corporate profits a year to charity. And I'm like, man, that's a big number. And he said it was interesting is because every three years he grew so quickly that the hat that he, he, he had tripled. So he, he, he was he was still having more over time. And, and so to this day, I mean, he gives away over a billion dollars a year now and he and he's never looked back. And there's something that, that is freeing about gratitude and generosity that you can't mm-hmm. explain. And it takes away fear. <clears throat> 
the, the perception of risk. It takes away the feeling of lack. And then the richness you get in life by seeing other people blessed by your giving of time and talent and treasure, you, you can't put a price tag on it. So it's not only because people want, they, they want to be uh, happy. Happy is oftentimes it's, it's limited to your circumstance, but joy lasts all day long. And, and the key to gratitude and generosity is the joy it gives you. You know, that's, I, I love the way that you position that. You know, Bob, you know, and David mentioned Bob Proctor. Bob was a very dear friend of, you know, to, for both David and I. And I remember sitting with Bob you know, over a number of different conversations where he would say, Blaine, you can't outgive the universe. That's, yeah. I mean, it is just so abundant. There is, it, it's, yeah, to imagine it being not available is crazy. It's always right. available. So that mindset, actually flies in the face of most people's experience, which is there is scarcity, scarcity right. of love. You know, you know right. I've got siblings. How, you know, who's loved the most? Well, love just is. All of that sort of stuff. So you know, the idea of uh, who's eating your pie, financially, you know, when we look at businesses, you know, the pie charts, we've got pie charts that show the allocation and they're pretty discreet. Right. It's, so it's all, you know, conversations take place within the confines of that pie chart. Sure. We don't have conversations about how we expand the chart. And right. most, most businesses are organized around accumulation that is focused in that circle, in that pie right. chart, as opposed to distribution. So they see themselves as centers of accumulation as, a, as opposed to centers of distribution. No question. And that shift. How do yeah? How do you address that in the book? And I and you know, I cop to the fact that I haven't read the book, so I'm oh, just sure, you know, sure. asking a question out of naivete here. Well, most things in, in, in our lives, and I have uh, I open the book with with a chapter called "Permission to Dream," and what I talk about that is if you Love knew that. you couldn't fail. If you had a magic wand and anything you attempted would be successful, what would you do? And I say that because it's so hard often to get, to get the clarity because we start at the ground and we try to finish in the sky. When I say start in the sky, don't worry about the education you don't have, the money you don't have, the friends you don't have, the network you don't have. Get to absolute total clarity. And all of those things, just like you talk about, they, they're drawn to you. You find them. Yeah. They, they appear. And that's the way I try to approach it. And I have, an, I have another chapter called The Pit of Self-Sabotage. And what I mean by who's eating your pie, if you look back at your life and you realize what limited you, it was most often the lies you believed about yourself or the lies you told yourself, like, I can't do it. I'm not enough. I'll mm -hmm. never amount to anything. Or your mom's or dad says something like that to you. And that's what holds us back. And if we start with giving ourselves permission to dream, we can end almost anywhere. I love that, Eric. And it's that's... funny because I recall going to dinner with Bob Proctor and took my media, head of media, who, who coaches with Blaine, by the way, and he still to this day thanks me more than taking him to the Super Bowl twice, the Masters, the Kentucky Derby, the Breeders' Cup, the SBZ Emmys, the, the Grammys. He talks about the four. He's Canadian as well, but talks about the four hour that we had, Bob. And during that dinner, he told both of us that you will never outgive the universe. But he also gave me another piece of advice. And he also said to me, David, you can never um, exercise uh, off uh, your diet. 
And I think he meant something by how much we ate that night. <laughs> I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have listened to him because I resemble I that tell, dinner sometimes. Yeah, yeah, man, I tell, yeah same here. I, tell people, I tell him every day. I spend a minimum of an hour a day on my health, and people look at me and they're like, "Really?" And what I should do is spend a minimum of an hour a day on my diet. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, now you're meddling. <laughs> we, you know, we 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 live in this universe, and uh, one of the things in your career. Um, of building wealth is understanding timing and risk tolerance, a, a realistic mm. approach to abundance. Right. And I find that the people that work with you, and I know some, and I know some that promote you as well, like JT Fox and others at Fox and pe people around, you're very disciplined about managing the timing and risk tolerance of our pie. Uh, where do you see the reality of man-made constructs falling into uh, a beautiful, gracious, I give away half of my corporate profits world of there's more than enough of everything for everyone? It, it, it's baby steps. I think for someone to go from zero to 50% would be a, a very poor decision. So I think yeah. you start at 1%, 2%, uh, three, see how you go. And you've got to build, I mean, I talked to a group today and they, they, they give away a tremendous amount of wealth and, and they are alarmed at how some of the people who are their benefactors, the wealth doesn't help them. In fact, it may set them back. So now they're like, how do I bestow wealth? How do I? So I have, I have another friend who spent years making a checklist of what he looks for and stewardship and how he tries to equip people and train leaders to, to, to handle resources and not make poor decisions. So, so wealth is a responsibility too. So stewardship is mm -hmm. a responsibility. So it's not blind generosity. It's generosity. Just like if you were going to mentor somebody, which is another way of being generous, you'd want to find a mentor who took time, took seriously, applied the lessons you learned, gave back, tried to be helpful to you and, and was diligent. And it's the same thing if you're being financially generous. You want to find someone who's, who respects the resources. They, 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 they take it. It's like the parable of the talents. You know, I gave you one talent and you buried it, right? That's bad. I, I gave you several talents. You doubled it. I gave you five. five you got 10. You get more talents, right? So it, it, you, there is a duty to grow. And but there's also a duty to be generous. I love that duty. And you have made your mark in the world of film, aviation, and finance uh, with great innovation, adaptability, and passion, impacting so many people and our culture throughout the years. I look forward. I think I'm going to see you soon. I saw your name flush by on one of these cities I'm going to. So I can't wait to meet you in person and give you a big hug. If you really want to know, ask Blaine. I'm a good hugger. That's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As, as the cold uh, front comes through everywhere, I'm also, I wear my own sweater under my shirt, so I'm a warm hugger as well. So uh, <laughs> put it out there. I look forward to giving you a big hug, Eric, for everything that you're doing for all of us. Yeah, Thank you for joining Blaine and I on Office Hours. Great. I'm humbled and grateful, and, and, and thank you. I look forward to the hug. All right, take care. All right. There you go. Thank you, okay, Eric, thanks. Stay abundance. All right. I, uh, I love this show, and I love you, and I love what you do for everyone that I know. But it comes to that time every single Thursday, our takeaway of the day, whether we're in Europe, in the Bahamas, in Asia, Austin, Texas, it doesn't matter where we're at. We're always showing up for each other. What's your takeaway of the day to give us a little insight from the wisdom and faith that you have? <laughs> I think you know, the one that I'm going to land on yeah, is uh, organized around the idea of Centers of distribution. I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty predictable on this stuff, David. I listen. I like it. I, I, I listen for certain things, and if they're there, I kind of go, "Oh, that's it. That's it." 
Uh, you know, Hortense talked about it. Uh, I think David talked, Dana talked about it, and, and certainly Eric did. But this notion of you know, life is a uh, is meant to be lived fully, and the way I live life fully is to both give and receive, to be open to both. And the idea of abundance, um, the way that I generate abundance in my life is to feel as if I'm deserving of what's coming back to me. If I feel that uh, I'm not deserving of it, or if I'm taking from some place that it is destined to do better work, no, it's coming to me right now because it's supposed to be coming to me. Then I get to distribute it, but I can't not receive it. If I if I if I stop the you know the reception, I stop the process, and that's where we get ourselves in trouble in this world. Is when we stop the process of circulating wealth, circulating love, circulating abundance. That's the end of it. I love it. Yeah, for me, it's the subconscious itself. I think whether we're unlocking something that sits within our subconscious or with Dana, you know, understanding uh, the subconscious negativity that can be put in us by other people and failure. Um, and of mm -hmm. course, with Eric, um, the subconscious uh, plays in our financial view or perception of abundance. And here's what I'm taking away is that the majority of our thoughts in our subconscious mind are negative. Uh, I've yeah. read an article that 80% of them or so are negative, but worse, 90% of the negative thoughts are repetitive. And so <laughs> if we work on transforming our subconscious mind, the intermediate, uh, memory storage of feelings, thoughts, words, and beliefs that are activating our quantum being, our genetic and energetic inheritance, and being able to shift us either to the good behavior or the bad behavior that will either give us the good progress or the bad progress we're looking for. I'm looking more and more at the power of the subconscious, and can I yeah. fuel myself with positivity that will be repetitive and take away more of the negativity, which is always lurking and always part and parcel to the conscious continuum. I'm glad you're part of my conscious continuum wherever you are in the world. Thank you for taking a couple extra minutes here with us on every Thursday. BlaineBartLed.com. He has mentored the greatest and the best in the world because in order for people to get to where they want to be better, find someone in that situation and nobody better to give us those directions than Blaine Bartlett. Go to BlaineBartLed.com. Bartlett.com if you want a great speaker, a coach, workshops, and of course, mentorship. There's nobody buddy out there. He understands the soul of business. Thanks for joining me, Blaine. Send my love to everyone. <laughs> you bet. I want to meet the guy you're talking about. This is Yeah, he's a great, he's good looking too. He's really sounds good pretty looking. Good, yeah. go, go enjoy some barbecue, some salt lick on me. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> Take care of that heart, Everybody. though. Take care of the heart. There's a lot of red meat down there. And uh, we all know what that does to our arteries. Anyway, I want to thank Raluca. She's barely staying awake. She looks bored shitless, uh, like she's interviewing me or something. Anyway, she's smiling now. That's good. I want to thank her for always showing up and doing a great job. All right, just to quickly go through our schedule and give us a high note ending on office hours. Here's our schedule, ladies and gentlemen. We have free Friday training tomorrow at 6 a.m. Pacific time. It is a sales training. It is called the five to thrive. It not only is selling stuff, it's selling our ideas, feelings, beliefs. It's creating a thriving 
sister in the world and I'm going to teach you how to thrive. If you want to build a community of people that buy from you, sell for you, help you, want to help you, know people that can help you. If you want to grow at an exponential rate and accelerate and aggregate, come to the five to thrive training tomorrow, 6 a.m. We'll be on the road Monday in Los Angeles. Our meetup will be at a our studio, not at SoFi. Oh, I see what she's doing there. So we'll be at uh, with Clinton Sparks. Uh, we'll be with uh, Michael. No, gosh, I know Clinton Sparks will be there. Someone else really interesting will be with us there as well on L.A. So come meet us in L.A. on Monday. SoFi Stadium on Tuesday. Uh, we're in Florida, Boca Raton, and Hollywood on Wednesday. Atlanta on Thursday. Nashville on Friday and Saturday. And we'll be out at the ranch first uh, once again with Dan Fleischman in Temecula, California. And then we'll be on to Phoenix, Arizona. Then we'll be back into San Francisco. Then we'll be at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. There's so many cities that we're going to be in the next 10 days. You can't even fit them on there. So if you want to follow us, 949-298-2905. Text us there. You'll get notified of when and where I'll be in every city. 949-298-2905. But most importantly, you can email me, david at dmelzer.com as well. Most importantly, let's all be more interested than interesting. Let's be kind to our future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks so much. Have a great night.